Welcome back to another episode of the Tiga Tactics Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Preparis, a Tiga Tactics coach. I'm joined by one of the founders, Dr. Conrad Bowie. Conrad, say hi. Hey, uh, thank you for uh, hosting, having me, and uh, thank you for <laughs> joining us. Thank you. Uh, we we do not have Patrick Vuong on, one of the other founders. Um, this is a Conrad focused episode. So we're going to deep dive into some some of Conrad's super interesting background, kind of explore, you know, the route he took to get to our, his current location and re- really dive into his deep knowledge of martial arts in this episode. So I'm excited about this because I get to pick his brain uh, for about 40 minutes without interruption. So so let's get started, Conrad. Let's just jump into it. Yes. Tell me about your the beginning of your martial arts journey. You know, what, what got you interested in the first place? And then... Um, just start talking and I'll jump in with questions when I, when I have them. All right. All right. A uh, couple of things again. Uh, it's just an honor to hang out with you, Evan. Uh, you're, 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 you're someone I, I uh, respect as well as you, you're inspirational to uh, uh, a lot of people who follow your, your posts, your podcast. Uh, so it's a, just an honor hanging out with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, whoever's listening, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. And uh, I do have to say, you know, sometimes uh, as I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about my journey through the martial arts, uh, I will get a little excited because even after 44, going on 45 years of continuous training in the martial arts, when I talk about it, I still get really excited about it. I, I really believe martial arts for, for me and for many people, it's the best activity that we, we could possibly do. There's just so many benefits to it. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hop right into it. And so if I get a little excited, uh, please forgive me. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just easily excited when I start talking about martial arts. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I started uh, martial arts um, around when I was eight years old. I was a, a, a kid, an, an Asian kid growing up in the, the, the Midwest, uh, right in Aurora, Colorado, and uh, uh, you know, I I I I felt uh, I always felt like an outcast. I felt uh, I I felt the discrimination. I felt the racism. Uh, I I felt some of that. And and you know, growing up as a kid, you, you, when you see another kid that is not like you, you're gonna poke fun at them. So I don't hold any grudges against anybody. That's what kids do. But uh, I definitely felt all that growing up. And so um, one day my, uh, my parents uh, had this videotape of Enter the Dragon. And mm-hmm. of course, it's a rated R movie, but they still showed it to me anyways. And wow, when I watched Enter the Dragon, I just thought, oh, my goodness, look at, uh, look at what he can do. This is incredible. And, and, and right away, it just... Uh, um, lit a fire and I thought wow this is something I want to learn to do and and wow you know he's Asian like me this is awesome I didn't think Asians could be so cool and so uh I'm gonna uh, jump in there real quick because I feel like the number of uh martial artists I hear on podcasts and interviews that reference enter the dragon as like the pivotal point (laughs) that like changed their (laughs) life is astronomical like if you follow Marvel and like Nexus events and like key points that have to happen in the multiverse to me, like uh, enter the dragon is one of those <laughs> Nexus events. Like it, it, everything from spawns from there. Like it has to happen to get to where we are today. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, a good point too. Uh, same thing here. That's my experience as well too. When I asked martial artists, what got you into martial arts? It's one of those two things as well too. Uh, uh, either uh, enter the dragon or a similar movie like Bloodsport, you know, which was basically Enter the Dragon or Mortal <laughs> Kombat or something, uh, 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 you know, something like that. Or uh, being bullied as well, too. Like, mm. oh, I was being bullied. I, I wanted something to empower myself. Uh, and so it's it's generally one of those two things. But uh, yeah, so Enter the Dragon. I, I of course, I, I bugged my parents to let me take some lessons and. Uh, they just said, no, you know, we don't have money for this. And we don't know if you would stick with it anyways. And, uh, uh, and so my dad said, hey, I'll teach you. And I thought, oh, really? And then it turns out he's a black belt in Aikido. And I 
um, I thought, okay, uh, I'll, 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 I'll train because I just want to train in anything. And so uh, my dad started uh, training myself and my brother in Aikido uh, in the mornings. And it, it was tough, like as a kid getting up early and training martial arts with your dad, of all people. It, 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 was, it was rough, but hey, I wanted to learn martial arts. So I trained with him for about four years uh, in the house. And uh, I just kept bugging my, my, my parents to let me uh, go to some uh, studio uh, where we did more like Bruce, where I could do more like Bruce Lee type things. Uh, because mm -hmm. Aikido, uh, a lot of wrist locks, throws those kind of things but not so much with the kicking and the the punching and the what on you know right, a, a right. kid would want and so yeah at about 12 years old my uh, my uh, mom uh, gave in and she uh, took me to a taekwondo school and i i I started uh, doing Taekwondo. I loved it, you know, I, even though it wasn't Kung Fu or Jeet Kune Do or anything that Bruce Lee was practicing. It was similar enough. We kicked, we punched, we sparred. Uh, you, you know, we, we were free enough to 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 copy Bruce Lee when we sparred or whatever. But I, my teacher wouldn't care. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I fell in love with Taekwondo. It was just to me, just martial arts. And uh my teacher uh, was uh, the same lineage as uh, underneath uh, Junri. He's uh, 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 the Junri lineage, and they were friends, uh, Junri and Bruce Lee, too, later on, I found out. And Junri uh, was very open-minded as well, too, to, to uh, changing up the Taekwondo and making it a little more modern. So the Taekwondo we practiced was uh, kind of almost like kickboxing for back in the day. And uh, so uh, he was already starting to change the Taekwondo a little more uh, already. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I did Taekwondo into uh, my college days and competed in local and national tournaments, state tournaments. I've won titles, uh, 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 city, uh, state, as well as national titles as well, too. I, I, you know, it's so funny as a kid when I was competing, I wouldn't think anything of it. I would sign up. I, I would just uh, wake up that next day, go. I, I, I wouldn't even think anything of it. It was like so natural to me. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I just didn't care. It's just like, this is something that I do. And and and, and I never got the nerves or jitters or, or, or second thoughts like I do as an adult competing nowadays. You know, and, and so it's just so interesting. But uh, I think uh, a lot of that uh, uh, anxiety and performance pressure and stuff is... It comes later in life, right? Because my, my daughter does piano and I watch all these little kids do solos in front of like a room full of people and mm. they're unfazed. And I was like, if you put a <laughs> bunch of adults in there, they mm -hmm, would start mm -hmm. panicking. People would be sweating. They'd be turning red, be shaking, you know? And I think that um, getting some of that competition in your youth helps develop a lot of those skill sets. I know we, you know, all the benefits of martial arts, but, you know, that's that's definitely one of them. Uh, I also want to jump. I'm going to, I'm going to, constantly interrupt you and jump back and forth in time yes, please, here please. Um, to get your adult perspective looking back on things right so uh, if you follow and you know, I'm, I'm later in life got into martial arts although uh, through my background in the military I'm always had some sort of combative aspect in there uh, but Aikido is one of those martial arts that sometimes is heavily criticized online by, mm -hmm. by people um, mm -hmm. I guess what's tell me a little bit more you know do you are there benefits to it? Do you think um, you think it's harsh, over overly criticized online? Um, do you think some of the criticisms are just, et cetera? Okay, uh, yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, I, after each art that I'll, I'll present, I'll go back and we'll talk about the 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 benefits and the limitations of each art because okay. every art has limitations and every art has benefits as well yeah. too. Agreed. Uh, 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 Aikido, uh, it does get a lot of flack. Uh, uh, you, you know, they, they the, the biggest criticism is there's not a lot of resistance or pressure testing. Everyone's compliant. And and that's the that's I, I think uh, the the weaknesses of many 
traditional mm-hmm. systems. There, there isn't a, a, a pressure testing. There isn't a checking of the ego. Uh, you always succeed in the techniques that you're, you do. And so uh, that, that does breed a certain level of egotism. That does breed a, a, a certain level of unfounded or unjustified confidence. Uh, so uh, th- there's that weakness. That being said, though, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, uh, Aikido was in a lot of police department curriculums, mm-hmm. and it worked for many uh, law enforcement officers uh, back in those days. So uh, I, I I don't think uh, it's completely useless. Uh, can it be improved? 100%. Yes, it, it can be improved. Uh, the other uh, criticism they get or uh, okay, this is a very unrealistic technique against like uh, this type of attack. Well, sometimes like, for example, a knife thrust, right? On the street, the knife thrust is very repetitive, something we call a sewing machine type of thing, where it just comes back and forth very repetitively. But uh, Aikido comes from the battlefield where mm. people had armor. So if you had a tanto or, 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 or a sharp blade, you're going to thrust with all your might so that you can get through that that armor. And so that that one single thrust with all your might uh, came uh, into that de- defense of Aikido. Uh, that's how they they formulate their defense. And, and so it doesn't really work well against a repetitive thrust, but against someone who's fully committed, uh, it, it makes some sense there. So so uh, sometimes we kind of look at the historical perspective, and it, nothing wrong with uh, tradition, yeah. but sometimes we need to realize that it is limited. And that it was back for a different time and right. with different year. Right. And, and created so, for a different um, purpose. You know, the I, yeah. I feel like I feel like we have that problem a lot where we take something that was historic, bring it into modern mm-hmm. day. We're like, well, this is not working. It's like, well, it wasn't designed to work against this. It was designed to work against yes. something else. Yeah. You know? So yeah. We see that a lot um, with I mean, there's a lot of styles again that focus on what the problem was at the time. They create a solution and then it gets codified. Mm-hmm. And we bring it mm-hmm. forward 50 or 100 years. And you're like, well, this doesn't work. It's like, well, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to. This is solving the problem at the time. Right, just, right. Like on the, on the modern battlefield, we have the same we have the same problem, right? Where we we develop a technique for clearing rooms and then the enemy adapts. The enemy does something different. And then people who are learning to clear rooms are like, well, why are you doing it that way? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. this is the way we've always done it. And it's like, right. But the, the enemies change their TTPs, their techniques, their tactics and procedures. So we have mm-hmm. to adjust our techniques um, if you want to stay relevant in the current battlefield versus um, there, there is value, I think, to just exploring stuff for historical sake, just to explore for historical right. sake, right? Not every martial yeah. arts has to be, you know, useful on the street at all times. You know, sometimes right. it's just fun to explore different things. And that's one of the things I really like about you. I'm sure we'll get into it. All the different styles you do and all of the uh, experiences you have as a as a man, a martial arts nerd. So. Yes, that's right. Uh, martial arts nerd. And uh, let me uh, also uh, talk about the benefits of all the st- the arts. And so I don't have to repeat it. Yeah. Every art that uh, that people train, I don't care if it's Aikido to Tai Chi to Muay Thai to uh, Okinawan Karate. Uh, every art gets you off your ass and gets you moving. So mm. that's a huge benefit. All right. So something we uh, could all use the- in in this modern day. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. So that already there's a huge benefit. So, uh, uh, so Aikido also the benefits of Aikido. Uh, they, they talk a lot about treating people right. They talk a lot about being harmonious, and they talk a lot about uh, avoiding fighting and 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 being peaceful. So I, I mm. think that's a good message to get across to not only kids, uh, good message to get across to some adults as well too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, that's one of the things that we're. I was I was going to start jumping down rabbit holes, but that's one of the things that attracted me to Tiga Tactics is a lot of the mindset stuff. You know, you you, you know you, when you teach people how to do harmful things to other people, it has to be tempered with I think mm-hmm. a sense of morality. Otherwise, we're um, you, we might go off the rails, right? And I really like right. all of Tiga Tactics methodology and their slogans. We've got episodes planned where we deep dive into all the slogans. We'll get to all that right. later. Make sure you stick around. Keep going, Doctor Conrad. All right. Okay. Uh, so uh, uh, that's Aikido. You, you know, it has a lot of benefits, and uh, uh, and also uh, it, it can be updated, just like many traditional arts. Uh, let, let's. Uh, so Taekwondo. I, I I did competition. A lot, of course, a lot of people, and I did a lot of point fighting. It was uh, back in the '80s. We did uh, open tournaments, and 
there's no headgear. We just had those foam things on our fists and feet. And uh, uh, people poo-poo that. And I, I, I would tell you there's there's a lot of, of good attributes to be uh, trained in point fighting. Uh, one thing is good footwork, speed, mm -hmm. timing, distancing, and, and trying to get that first shot in. Uh, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It's like fencing. You know, whoever scores that first point, they break you up and then you start over again. And so uh, 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 Mark, the point fighting is kind of like fencing with your hands and feet, basically. Uh, uh, yes, of course, there's there's limitations to that. Uh, you keep a certain distance. You don't clinch. You don't grapple. There, there's a lot of missing elements. And once you score that first punch or kick, they break you apart. And so there's All no... Right continuity there and i i fully acknowledge that uh, uh it, it's a great sport for kids to get into nowadays you know you got the headgear the, the face shield that you, kids use sometimes uh and it, it's just a great intro for for kids to get into combat sports uh, it, 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 rather than jumping into something full contact for example mm -hmm. uh so uh um i i did that for a while so um that's the weaknesses of, of the taekwondo that i did uh, uh one of the strengths again was uh good discipline uh, learning it, 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 it it's a military art uh, uh taekwondo that came from korea it, it, it was uh, taught in the armies and things like that so we learned a lot of discipline it's saying yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am uh you know showing respect uh to to our, our seniors to our elders uh that 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 again is a life skill that uh if a kid learns early on it'll just serve them uh early on uh, throughout their life as well too uh of course uh, again back to uh, any martial arts uh the benefits uh, of learning discipline and goal setting Mm -hmm. as well too uh you know uh, some some arts will criticize belts oh well you know i i think the belts is a great system there's several good reasons to have belts one uh is that if you're an instructor and you're teaching you, you know uh what levels to split the the students up right away by just kind of looking at them oh you're over at the beginners group you're in the intermediate group you're in the advanced group uh, and you know what people need to work on generally yeah. Uh, so that's one thing with the belts. The other thing with the belts is that it allows students to make short-term goals, and I that goal-setting skill. Yeah, that goal-setting skill for kids uh, when they they learn that early, like okay, I'm a white belt. I really want that yellow belt. Okay, it's gonna take me three months. I need to do this, do this, do this, and then in three months comes along, and if they did do the this and this and this, they got that yellow belt. They're like, you know, wow, I accomplished something. I set a goal. I, I I created steps to get to that goal, and I met that goal. And they they do that at each belt. And some some people criticize like Taekwondo. We had like ten belts, <laughs> you know, uh, white, yellow. We had there was a gold belt as well too, and the, each belt had stripes and then uh, orange, green, purple, blue, brown, red, black. You know, we had all the colors. And, and and some people criticize. Oh, traditional arts only had three colors or three belts or or whatever. I, you know, I, when you're teaching kids, all those little incremental steps means a whole bunch to them. Absolutely. And so, uh, that, I think it means goes... I think it means a lot to adults too, and they just don't let on to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know your, your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and I know some of my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu friends will be like, oh, we only got like four belts. It's like, yeah, but we got four stripes on every belt. So like those are like mini belts for people. You know, that's them yeah. marking progress towards their goals. And, you know, even if, you know, it's nice to know that you're making progress, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's just nice, like, okay. The instructor recognizes that I've been showing up to class. I've been paying attention. I've been doing good. It's, mm -hmm. it's nice to get some of that positive feedback. Um, yes. And we'll get into my background on a different episode, but one of the things that at Special Forces Selection, they don't give you feedback because they specifically mm. know it bothers people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, well, as civilians, we, we need to be pampered a little more. So <laughs> And from a from a school owner's perspective, it's it's also like not to turn everything into a business, right? But it's good to if people if people know they're making progress, they're more likely to stick around, yeah. um, which yeah. would be better for income, and then it's also going to make them better, right? I think mm -hmm. it's a self it's a self feedback loop of positive, um, right? Positive attribute or positive outcomes, anyway. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Absolutely. All right. So uh, back to the Taekwondo. Uh, so in college, uh, I, I started uh, uh, backing off on the, the tournament uh, because I, I realized I was pumping a lot of money into traveling and competing and, and all this. And I wasn't making any money. Yeah, sure. I got like a trophy or whatever, but you, you, you don't, trophies don't put uh, gas into anyone's cars, unfortunately. So then uh, I, I start backing away from the, the, the Taekwondo scene and the tournament scene. And uh, uh, of course, at that time, I still wanted to learn Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee's martial arts. Uh, luckily, uh, I, I ran into a, a student at my university. He was going to school too, and he was uh, instructor in Jeet Kune Do. And uh, uh, he started training me. He was, uh, this was at the University of Colorado in Denver, and he was from the East Coast, and he went over to there to go to school from the East Coast. So uh, he was looking for a training partner as well, too, because uh, he wanted to keep his skills uh, current and, and keep it sharp. So uh, there were there was no Jeet Kune Do schools around the area at that time, as far as I knew, anyways. And so uh, he he took me on as a student and he tried to get me up to speed as fast as possible so that he could have someone to train with. And so uh, luckily uh, I have a knack for learning martial arts. And so, uh, yeah, I, I picked things up really quick. We trained for about three years, uh, almost daily uh, uh, and uh, picked things up very quickly from him. I loved it. Everything back in those days, uh, Jeet Kune Do, uh, and, and it was often called G JKD slash Kali, because at that time, Drew Dan and Osanto was really infusing his, his version of Jeet Kune Do with a lot of Kali training. And, uh, oh man, I was just in hog heaven. I, I mean, the, the, the techniques, the drills, uh, especially the drills of Jeet Kune Do was so different from anything that I ever trained in, in Aikido and, and Taekwondo. And I loved it. We did the stick work. We did the, the hand traps. We, we did the flow drills. We did knife. We did uh, knife. We did stick and dagger, espada y daga. Uh, we, 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 and the, yeah. So this was uh, back in the uh, 1990. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kali is a big thing now. And uh, back in those days, no one heard of Kali except for the JKD people. And so I uh, learned Jeet Kune Do from, from him. Uh, and then when I went to chiropractic college uh, in San Jose, so I moved to, from Col Colorado to California, and uh, 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 I went to chiropractic college, chiropractic school, and I continued training my martial arts there. And at that time, Guru Dan Inosanto was getting into C-Lot, and he was starting to train C-Lot with the, the, uh, Paul de Tours of the Detours brother. And uh, even my Jeet Kune Do instructor, he learned a little C-Lot, but it was very secretive back then. He, he uh, my Jeet Kune Do instructor would teach me some C-Lot and he'd go, oh, you, you can't sh show this to anybody. Uh, these are secret moves. And I was like, oh, okay. But uh, so so I always want to learn uh, C-Lot and the, the C-Lot system that grew Dan and Osanto was learning was called C-Lot Sirach. And uh, it turns out, that at my chiropractic school, there was a Silat Sorak instructor there that taught, uh, that was one of the chiropractic clinicians at the school. And so, oh my goodness, I was just so happy to hear about that. And of course, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I met with him and I asked to be his student and I was just so so psyched about this because not only was he a C-Lot teacher, he was the, the system that Guru Dan was learning. And uh, 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 so uh, C-Lot Sorak is a very uh, in-type system. It uses a lot of uh, uh, very close uh, handwork, elbow strikes, uh, a lot of high levers for uh, sweeps and takedowns. And uh, uh, it uses uh, a lot of geometric patterns on the ground for the footwork training, which is also really cool. Um, in fact, uh, the term Tiga tactics, uh, Tiga means three in Indonesian, and that's a, a nod towards my Indonesian style. Uh, there's a, a form, a foot form, a, a footwork pattern called uh, Lanka Tiga, meaning uh, the third footwork pattern 
or form. And uh, that's where Tiga Tactics comes from. And so uh, I, I learned uh, from uh, Dr. Andre, who was my, my CELOT instructor uh, for uh, four years. Uh, luckily, uh, we trained in the clinic. We trained at his house. We trained wherever we could. And so uh, uh, super lucky to have learned from him. And so uh, uh, let, let's back up and, and let's look at the Jeet Kune Do and the 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 lot and, and the benefits and the the uh, the limitations of those arts too. So Jikundo uh, is very cool. Uh, some people say it's a concept, and uh, some people say no, it's it's actually a, a style uh, that Bruce Lee left for us. And uh, well, that's that's you know, a that's a dangerous box to open here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna say, practice it the way you want to practice. <laughs> that sounds uh, good. We can dive into Jeet Kune Do and Jeet Kune Do concepts on another episode if we want to. Yeah, oh, rock for sure. The boat, for if sure. we want to rock the boat, for sure. Uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, Bruce Lee left some pretty clear directions in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, but uh, hey, whatever. If you want to train it the way you want to train it, you know, I always say, make. Jeet Kune Do, your Jeet Kune Do. Mm. It doesn't have to be my Jeet Kune Do. It doesn't have to be anyone's Jeet Kune Do. It doesn't have to be Guru Dan and Osanto's Jeet Kune Do. It doesn't have to be Guru uh, or, or uh, Sigong Taki Kamara's Jeet Kune Do. It, it, just make it your own Jeet Kune Do. It's all fine. But uh, uh, so so uh, I, I do have to say, you know, Jeet Kune Do, when Bruce Lee created it, it's like a 1978 Mustang. You know, it's still powerful. It's still cool. It roars. It still can go fast. But you can't compare that to today's Mustangs. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the technology, the, the the fuel efficiency, as well as the, the raw horsepower, it still blow it out of the water. Uh, so uh, was it cutting edge during Bruce Lee's times? Yes. Is it cutting edge now? I would say absolutely not. Mm. And so uh, uh, even... Concur. Even yeah, even something like Jeet Kune Do, as high tech as it was back in the day, it, it, it still needs uh, updating. And I, I I believe if Bruce Lee was alive, he would be updating it for sure. How how or where it end up, who knows? But uh, we can only conjecture. But uh, uh, it, everything needs updating. But still, I, I think the 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 big uh, advantage of Jeet Kune Do is is the research process. Mm. You know, try to find something that is specifically your own. And and and, and he, I think he gave permission, although people have been doing it long before Bruce Lee was alive. He gave permission to say, hey, it's OK to explore different arts. Don't be stuck on one art. Explore yeah. different arts. It's OK. And so uh, uh, I think that's that's one of the big uh advantages of Jeet Kune Do. Uh, moving on to C-Lot, uh, same thing with C-Lot. A lot of times uh, we, we train C-Lot, there's no resistance. Uh, so, so so someone throws a punch, which is one beat. Uh, the instructor gets like 20 beats, boom, 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 <laughs> <laughs> before the other person does anything. And so uh, it, I, I think it's somewhat unrealistic uh, of that. And so, uh, but still uh, C-Lot has so much to offer. There's, it's, it's a really cool study of how how one person's body can interact with another person's body. Uh, but but again, they're, 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 can they update it? Yeah. And I think uh, through the sea lot, that's what really got me frustrated to, to like, you know, I know someone doesn't just attack you and hold their hand out there or they stab you and just hold that knife out there and let you do whatever you want to them. They're going to resist. And so I, I try to figure out a way to add that resistance safely into some of the C-Lot training. Uh, so so I, uh, that was... I, I train I Jeet Kune Do currently. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy... I've really enjoyed a lot of the body mechanics. Like that I've, I feel like my, my punches and kicks have gotten a lot stronger and crisper and like just better body mechanics as far as transitioning between strikes. I enjoy the Kali stuff as well. We do do a, lot, a little bit of C-Lot stuff. Haven't mm -hmm. quite fallen in love with it yet you know is it like i, <laughs> I enjoy i enjoy it I, I, like anytime someone shows a new thing i enjoy it um mm. and even if i don't think it's practical um mm. i still enjoy learning new things mm -hmm. uh, haven't quite you know i feel like for for me for like brazilian jiu-jitsu it took me like a little over a year before i really started enjoying myself like i had i go to class and i'd be like i'm not having fun but i'm gonna go anyway because i think it's good for me <laughs> <laughs> um and 
not not quite the same with Sealot. I just I haven't I don't know. Uh, some styles I feel like I, I immediately I, I started learning them. I'm like, oh, I love this. This is so cool. And other times I'm like, eh, I can take it or leave it. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, maybe I need more exposure to Sealot to kind of get a little mm -hmm. more into it. Yeah, yeah, you know, when when you're free, you come over and we'll do like a weekend of sea lot together. I guarantee you'll fall in love with it because okay, uh, the 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 sea lot that that uh, well, like Guru Dan, he he took part of the Ciroc system and and he learned many different sea lot systems and he he caught a he he uh, formulated uh, Mafalindo sea lot, and uh, that's probably what most Jeet Kune Do teachers are teaching. Uh, through Guru Dan's lineage is Ma Falindo Silat. And, and Ma from, stands for Malaysia. Mm. Ma, uh, Ma Fa, the Fa is Philippines. And Lindo uh, is for Indonesia. Ah, so Ma Falindo, Malaysian, Filipino, Indonesian uh, Silat. And so he, he formulated that. Uh, he took pieces and bits of this and that. And he, he created certain techniques. Uh, uh, but anyways, the, the, the Sirach, it is really cool. It, it, it goes deep into numerology. It goes deep into um, patterns, uh, footwork patterns, geometric patterns, like the triangle, the square, uh, how to use those things, not just individually, but even in group tactics as well, too. Uh, just, just very uh, cool uh, universal combat principles there that, uh, that you'll, you'll like it. You, okay. you, you will like okay. it. It's actually a, a very short system. It's almost like Wing Chun. There's not a whole lot of patterns in it, mm. but uh, it, it goes very deep. Cool. All right. So, well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I, I trained Silat, and uh, uh, after chiropractic school uh, I, if, if, I in California, I decided to move back to Colorado to open up my practices. And Dr. Andre at that time said, oh, one of the Detours brothers lives right right in Colorado, uh, and so he uh, hooked me up with Willem Detours. He's the younger brother of Paul Detours, who is a Guru Dance one of one of Guru Dance Silat teachers. And then um, I learned um, Kuntao uh, Silat from Uncle Bill. So uh, I I learned some uh, Silat Sirak, some more Sirak from that side. Uh, and also Kuntao, and Kuntao is basically Chinese Kung Fu by way of Indonesia. And uh, uh, we have Shaolin forms, we have uh, Wudong forms, we have all these cool like Kung Fu theater forms, tiger, tiger and mantis and all that stuff. And so uh, I was in hog heaven at that time too, learning uh, Kuntao Silat from Uncle Bill. And uh, he, Uncle Bill has a friend, uh, well, um, he had a friend, uh, Uncle Wayne. Uncle Wayne passed away about three years ago, uh, uh, who, who taught Bagua Zhang. And Bagua Zhang is a Chinese internal system uh, uh, attributed to the Wudong Mountains and everything like that. Uh, if, if you're into hip hop, that's where Wu-Tang Clan comes from, that name. But uh, 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 Bagua Zhang is one of the, the three internal systems, uh, including the more popular like Tai Chi. Tai Chi Chuan, uh, mm -hmm. and then there's Bagua Zhang, and then there's Xing Yi, which is the five element fist. Uh, Bagua Zhang is the the eight eight trigram palms, uh, and, and there's a lot of philosophy behind that too. So if if there's any other nerds on this program listening, uh, you probably understand about the I Ching and and all the all that 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 deep numerology from the Chinese side and the Taoist side as well too. Uh, the cool thing about uh, Bagua Zhang. Uh, so uh, let, let me uh, back up uh, on the Kuntao. Again, Kuntao was the Chinese Kung Fu. Uh, very similar um, uh, 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 strengths as well as, as disadvantages uh, to the Silat. You know, the, the strengths is the, the training. Uh, the, the old school Chinese training, he had us doing, uh, you know, like Kung Fu theater stuff, you know, jumping around in the dirt and things like that uh, back in the day. Uh, good training, good old school training, uh, 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 nice, solid, good Kung Fu techniques. Uh, again, some of the weaknesses is that we, we, did, we never trained against resistance. Someone just threw a punch and we did whatever we wanted to do. That led to a lot of, uh, to not a lot, but to some teachers thinking they're unbeatable. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I, I've never failed before. 
So uh, this will always work. Well, that's not the truth. You know, sometimes you might fail and you need to plan A, uh, plan B, plan C, uh, or you, you might, you know, you, you might get hit. So get, you know, get used to that. But uh, since they, they, they never failed in their technique, some uh, teachers of these type of arts become very egotistical. They, 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 they have a bloated um, sense of confidence as well too. And so uh, uh, that might be a weakness with some teachers in that art there. Um, uh, so uh, the, the Bagua Zhang, the, the same thing. Surprisingly, I I've met some very arrogant Tai Chi people. I mean, they think that they are unbeatable. They think their art just, just cannot be beat. Uh, I've, I've met some arrogant uh, uh, Bagua Zhang people as well, too, which is quite interesting. You you know, you wouldn't think that that happens in those arts. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that. Have you seen the movie uh, Tai Chi Zero and Tai Chi Hero? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe they buy into that. I, I, I oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. They were they were both great movies. Side note. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Mm -hmm. But that's <laughs> I, I haven't had enough interaction with Tai Chi people to really mm -hmm. to really come to any sort of conclusions. I, I do know right like 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 you're saying for all martial arts, great for movement, especially for like an older crowd getting them up and getting them mm -hmm. moving around. And uh, I was listening to was it Michael Jai White on like the Black Belt podcast, and he was he was like, I think Tai Chi is the best martial arts because the the, the the age of people doing it is so high and like mm -hmm. being able to get up and move at that age is going to bring you more benefits, um, yes. you know, than going out and getting into fights with people when you're in your right. 20s. And I was like, oh, interesting point. That's an interesting mm -hmm. uh, way to look at things. But Absolutely. You know, there, there's one opponent no one can beat. There is just one opponent that we will all lose to, and that's father time. Yeah. He will kick our ass. And he will kick our asses earlier if we're out of shape, if we're injured all the time. You know, uh, you know, there's both ends of the spectrum. There's people who don't train and are exercise even. And of course, their body breaks down quickly. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where they overdo it all the time and their bodies are constantly broken down and by the time they're they're 60s or 70s they're, they're like hobbling and and, and 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 using walkers and things like that uh i i think um a good martial arts should be able to carry you into your 80s and 90s uh and keep you mobile keep you independent and keep you ambulatory as well too i'm not going to comment which end of the spectrum i'm on at this point in my life <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's for another time but yeah well sure um you, you know i also um you you mentioned that you, you which end of we know which end of the spectrum you're on but uh, that being said there there is a a point in life where we can only do certain things and that we should take advantage of those points in life true as much as we can so when you're 80, there's no way you're going to be doing what you're doing now. So right. you're able to do it now. Go ahead and do it now. You don't want to be 80 and going, you know, I think I'll do an ultra marathon. No, that's not going to happen. But but you're, you're, you're striking the iron while it's hot. That's for, true. For hot at this age. So, so, you know, kids, they have a certain aptitude for something. Teenagers have a certain aptitude for something. 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way to our 90s. Uh, we need to recognize uh, what that aptitude is and strike it while it's hot. So, hey, nothing wrong with what you're doing. I, I am ta starting to taper down my ultra running, uh, ultra obstacle course racing career and transitioning. As that tapers down, my martial arts is increasing and I'm enjoying doing something a little bit different and um, something I, I plan on doing for a little bit longer. And again, just because as we've mm -hmm. already started talking about with you, the multiple styles and the, the depth of information is infinite. I mean, it's just... Every time you're like, oh, well, there's just more information all the time. So um, I'm enjoying focusing a little more on something else, especially as an athlete who's competitive, right? It looks mm -hmm. like a bell curve. And I'm at, I'm 41 right now. I feel like I'm mm -hmm. at the top end, but the backside of the bell curve. And I don't really <laughs> want to see what the bottom side looks like. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, maybe it's time to switch focus and, uh, you know, move on to something else here. So. Yeah. 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 It's good to be able to recognize the, those, 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 uh, stages of life. Yes, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Kuntao Silat and, uh, 
uh, in the Baguazhang as well too. Uh, some some really good arts, some very deep philosophical arts. Lifetime of study in those arts uh, uh, for for nerds like me who who like to deep dive into the philosophy and and the culture and the history of it all. Uh, very deep arts. Uh, so uh, after. Um, Practicing in, in Colorado for about 12 years. I learned from Uncle Bill and Uncle Wayne for about uh, 12 years there uh, in Colorado. I moved uh, over to San Francisco, back to the Bay Area. And uh, uh, right next to my house, uh, well, not next, but very close to my house was a Muay Thai gym, World Team USA. And so I always wanted to take Muay Thai and uh, uh Peeked in the window, walked in, got an intro lesson, and uh, uh, coming from a traditional martial arts background, I thought, oh gosh, these Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, MMA fighter types, they're probably very rude and crude and, and, and drag their knuckles on the ground and grunt at you and things like that. But uh, luckily, I was totally wrong. Very <laughs> nice, kind people, uh, uh, you know, and uh, I signed up. I did Muay Thai for a year, and um, right before our Muay Thai class, there was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class. I always wanted to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it kind of scared me as well, too. And so it took me a whole year before I entered the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class. And once I did, of course, fall in love with it. Uh, uh, both those arts are, are, are very, very uh, honest arts. It doesn't matter what belt you are, what rank you are. Uh, how you spar is how you'll spar. Uh, right. In jujitsu, same thing. It doesn't matter what rank you are or what what title you have. How you roll is how you roll. And so, uh, very honest arts. There's just no hiding. Uh, of course, you know both of those arts are are sports. And so the 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 drawbacks of those arts is yes, it is a sport. Uh, they're uh, like for example, Brazilian jujitsu. If I was to uh, separate um, and sift out the combative aspect of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's probably it would probably be about ten percent of of the things that I use during class, maybe. Mm. Uh, because a lot of it is sport, and that's fine though. Uh, I think it's important that uh, we can recognize that and go, hey, I'm just enjoying this as a sport. This this whole portion here, and that's fine. It's 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 uh, much more combative than a uh, ping pong. But, you know, it, it, it's still a sport, but at least it's more combative than many other things as well, too. Uh, and so, uh, uh, of course, the the another drawback is a higher risk of injury uh, than the traditional arts, because now you have resistance. Also, yeah. you, you, you sometimes you work with these young kids who are in their 20s and they're maybe high school or college wrestlers and they just grind, grind, grind. And. You know, for a 50-year-old or a 40-year-old to to roll with these young young alpha males, these young studs, uh, there's a risk involved, even just rolling uh, in the gym. So uh, the, the risk of injury is greater, but if you're willing to accept that, and, and there, there are some things that we can do to roll more safely as we age. Uh, uh, but that unfortunately comes with experience from getting injured. <laughs> and so uh, uh, maybe when we do a deep dive into um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or, or Muay Thai, I can talk about some of those ways to, to train these arts uh, for longevity rather than just beating our bodies down uh, as well, too. So uh, that's where I'm, we are today. I'm excited. I am excited for that episode because my, my daily week at work, I roll with 20-year-olds who are all like former yeah. high school wrestlers. And they are just like... Oh, we're gonna go 100%, 100% of the time. It's like, why don't we slow down a little, buddy? I'm 20 years <laughs> older than you. Let's slow down, please. Oh, you're you're so. getting to the the age where you could all almost pull the card that I use. I I pull this card. I say, hey, hey, man, you you respect your dad? You gonna treat your dad like that, huh? I'm about your dad's age. All right. <laughs> oh like, man. Don't you have any respect for your dad? Come on. <laughs> oh, but man. uh. But but yeah, uh, uh, the, uh, the, one of the positive of both those arts, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, MMA, is the pressure. The pressure, you get used to the pressure. Uh, if you get into an altercation on the street, people are not going to be nice. They are going to give you plenty of that pressure. And if you're used to that pressure, it won't freak you out. I think it may freak some people out who aren't used to that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like what you said about, you know, their honest arts because how you roll and how you spar is how you roll and how you spar. Right. I think that's, um, you know, you were saying that, you know, the atmosphere, you're worried people would be like kind of mean, but sometimes I feel like that, 
that honesty actually keeps keeps people a little more humble, keeps them more yeah. honest, and it keeps them nicer because it's like, well, I know if this, if we start fighting, I know what's going to happen because we we do it every week. Mm-hmm. Like at work, we, we know who's better at fighting than other people. Like it, we, we test it literally every day. So, um, yeah. you know, there's I, I feel like sometimes people are are kinder because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we know the outcome and we know um how aggressive people will be if if things ever came to that but yeah right and also i i I, to jump on your point here uh to leapfrog off of it uh everyone has had their butts kicked i don't care if you are a multi-time world champion and if you you are beating everyone in your gym uh everyone has had their butts kicked either early on or if they're competing they'll get their butts kicked eventually so that that creates a certain amount of humbleness even in the best practitioners yeah, and I know the you know, the saying right the, the masters uh, failed more times than the beginner has even tried right so the right. to get to any level any belt in jujitsu blue you know purple brown black I mm-hmm. mean you have mm-hmm. you have gone out there and failed so mm-hmm. many times it mm-hmm. is preposterous and humbling <laughs> hum- yeah and, and you know there's some days when I'm like oh man I'm untouchable today and then there are other days it's like I literally just spent all uh- getting my ass kicked. It's like <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm really bad at this, guys. You know, so it's um yeah. There's good days, there's bad days, and sometimes you know my good day might align with someone else's bad day, and vice versa. So you know, I think um just being consistent and persistent, and you know sticking with it, I think you you'll just learn a lot about yourself as a person, and also it's just that for me, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is one of my I think one of the best uh, car- cardio workouts. You know, because you you're rolling the whole time. There's resistance, right? So you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, and if you want to go hard, you can go hard as mm-hmm. until your body says you can't go hard anymore. Right. But you can, yes. you can push pretty hard on that. So, yes, I, I, you know, despite what I said about injuries uh, and, and they will happen. I mean, it, on your journey to black belt, you're gonna, you might blow out a knee, you might blow out a shoulder, you might blow out your elbow. You might, you'll, you'll probably blow out something and you'll dislocate something as well too. Um, whether that's a finger or a toe, something will happen to you along that journey. But uh, uh, that being said, I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu itself is probably the safest um, way that you can go 100% with somebody and not achieve like uh, permanent injuries like a concussion or, or, or something else like that. You could go 100% and be relatively safe about it, which is really cool. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll also add, right. So I'm a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, so not nearly the level of experience, but I'll say the majority of times I've gotten injured, it was with people who are new and they were just mm-hmm. very jerky. And like, I mean, they're, they're swinging their arms and knees, like elbowing and kneeing, you know, where it's, um, the, the long, to me, the longer, the more experienced people, it's just, they just roll safer as a general mm-hmm. rule. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we are, Patrick is jumping on the line. So we are joined by Patrick. Patrick, say hi. Hey guys, it's Patrick here. Yeah, Yo, Patrick. So, so the the hey, other uh, co-founder of Tiga Tactics. So we've been telling Conrad's story. We were just talking about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, some of his Muay Thai experience. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, so, uh, I'll just wrap up really quick. Yeah. Uh, so uh, during COVID, I did take up another art. I I, I kind of told myself no more traditional <laughs> arts because I I practiced too many forms. But then uh, during COVID, th- there was no contact with sparring or grappling or anything like that. So I I I I, I signed up with an Iaido class, an Iaido group. Uh, in, in case uh, someone doesn't know what that is, that's that's like a samurai sword stuff. Uh, how to use a samurai sword? How how to uh, uh, draw the sword and cut with the sword and, uh, and and there's there's more forms unfortunately but uh, uh, I love it. it 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 teaches me about warrior culture and I think we ta- we talked about uh, how useful quote unquote useful is an art uh, 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 how effective is a certain martial art well I Iaido is probably the least effective of any art I've done because you're not going to walk down the street with a katana uh, uh, for sure I but. You know, that being said, uh, Iaido is a, a terrific vehicle for developing your, your mind, your body, your coordination, and lower body strength as well, too, because we do a lot of things from kneeling. And also, uh, again, uh, we talked about this, learning a different culture, learning history. Uh, there's so many 
brain benefits and longevity benefits with learning a traditional art like that as well too. And so I'll leave it at that. So thank you very much, Evan. Yeah, well, I got a couple follow-up questions before we before we close out your episode here. Um, one, I'd like the caveat that I'm pretty sure in Texas you can open carry anything. Um, so I think you can actually open carry a sword. And actually, this is a crazy story. Um, and it, I, I don't even make light of it. But it, so where I went to college uh, in Baltimore, there was a student there who had a sa- like a, essentially a samurai sword in his apartment. And someone broke in and he literally killed this dude who broke into his house with a samurai sword. So like there yeah. was a confirmed kill on like at, near my college campus. Uh, it was a couple years after wow. I graduated, but it was just like just wild that, you know, again, like, well, I'm never going to use a samurai sword. It's like, well, I don't know. So, yeah, you never know. Pretty, I, I do. Crazy. I, I do stage some live katanas around my house and uh, I, I would uh, I would have people consider possibly having a sword as a as a, a home defense weapon if you're you're comfortable using something like that because uh, it, it's it's a very advantageous tool to have for sure. So you mentioned earlier about the forms. So the forms you've done for years, right? Like how for so, somebody who let's say someone is doing a martial arts or they've been doing martial arts for you, like do you how often do you revisit those forms or are there forms some forms you're just like well I'm just gonna shelve this one this will you know be in my long term memory and maybe if I have to need it again I'll, at some point I will go back and study versus how often are you like okay well you know on Mondays I'm doing this on Tuesdays I'm doing this one etc. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I I have to go through uh, my entire systems at least once a month. Uh, I, I rotate through all my systems. At, so I, I'll train like my Taekwondo forms at least once a month, my Bagua Xingyi forms at least once a month, uh, my my Silat forms once a month. I, I I because I represent that I'm an instructor in these arts. Ah, uh, okay. If if someone says, "Hey, you say you teach Silat, let me see some of it," I'm very comfortable uh, showing them that my Silat. I'm very comfortable at showing them my. Uh, Bagua, I'm very comfortable showing them my Taekwondo. Uh, if I can no longer do it, then I should I should take that off my credentials because uh, these are um, perishable skills. Mm. Excellent point. Excellent point. Um, for let's say someone is, let's say let's say you could go back in time. Would you? Is there any sort of like order you would change as far as what you were studying? Would you be like, oh, I wish I had studied this before I had studied this, or? Mm. You know, for for people who may be newer to martial arts, are you just like what? Just get in get in any dojo, get in any gym, start training, and then figure your path out from there. Uh, I would say this. I, I if I would go back to do it all over again, I would not. Uh, but if someone's new and like, what you, what do I start with? Uh, uh, first, um, we want to look at your age. If you're young. Do a lot of kicking arts, you, you know, whether that's wushu or taekwondo, it, it'll, it'll improve your endurance, it'll improve uh, your coordination, uh, it'll improve your your uh, your your mind body connection. So uh, if you're a little older, maybe start moving into Brazilian jiu jitsu. So 30s, 40s, uh, 20s are, are a great time for Brazilian jiu jitsu. If if you're just starting out and you have no physical fitness, you don't have any background in any martial arts and you want to do it just start something in 60s or 70s yeah definitely uh maybe something like tai chi or, or bagua or, or or something a little easier eido as well too uh there, there's something for everybody it just depends on your level of physical fitness um and also your background and uh, of course your age and your interest as well too gotcha and you touched on it a little bit but again you've touched you've done so many styles where does it end? <laughs> are you? I know you said you weren't going to do another one. Is are you? Are you? Is that true? <laughs> you know, I can't tell you yes or no because I'm a nerd and and I I get bored. <laughs> and then I, I I just love all arts. I, that's the bad thing. I just I, I, if if it looks pretty cool, I you know one thing I want to try is capoeira before I get way too old, <laughs> and that just looks like fun. Patrick, what do you think? You you've known Conrad for a lot longer than I have. Is he? Do you think he's gonna keep adding stuff to his plate until uh until he calls it a life, or what? What's the deal here? He'll stop learning when he's dead. That's how it works. <laughs> That's okay. That's what I figured. <laughs>
Yeah, no, I, I, I've been, you know, I'm obviously biased because I'm his cousin, but I can only think of maybe, you know, five, six people on the planet who has his kind of dedication. Um, and, and just like, I'm in his inner sanctum and I get to see all his notes. And if you look at his, his scribblers of notes, they're like, in the, he's writing notes in the margin, the back, front, everywhere. And it's those, those little coil bound scribblers that you, you know, we used to use in elementary school. Or nowadays, I don't know if they use those anymore. But you know, when we were kids, it was yeah. just like two hundred pages of like notes um, on every single one of his arts. And then when you see that, you realize like he's not just an enthusiast; he is like a true student of the art, whichever art it is. You know, every art that that he's learned, he's a true student, and he studies it not just academically, physically, culturally, but also he studies the language. He studies how it's been affected throughout history by other cultures, you know, warfare and things like that. So he's immersed in every sense of the word. And so I, again, I can only think of maybe five, six, maybe 10 people on the planet right now, currently who has that level of depth and breadth. So again, I'm biased because I'm his cousin, but I can't, you know, even martial artists I respect, they don't have that same kind of background that he has. They might only have three black belts or four black belts, which is amazing. Right. 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 Uh, and that blows my mind already, but, but he's got triple that. So, it, it, and he's, and as, uh, and as he said before, if he can't recall something, he doesn't say that he's a black belt that system anymore because he can't recall it, but guess what? He can recall it. And so therefore he is a black belt in all those systems. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, uh, quick example. Uh, my financial planner, he's a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. And I said, Oh, that's so cool. When's the, you know, are you still training? He's like, no, I haven't, I haven't trained in a while. I was like, Oh, when's the last time you had the class? Oh, 20 years ago. You can't call yourself a second degree Taekwondo black belt if you haven't trained in 20 years. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and so that's why I have, yeah, I have tremendous respect for Conrad. Again, I'm kind of biased. I'm his cousin, but uh, very few people do what he does. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm impressed. I was expecting when I asked about the forms thing, I was I was expecting you to be like, oh, no, I shelved a bunch of stuff and I don't, I didn't really touch that anymore. So I was legitimately shocked. You're like, oh, yeah, I still practice everything every every month. It's like, oh. That is that is you know, a lot of dedication. Well, you know, that's why I don't have any time to run. I, I don't have any time <laughs> to pump weights. I, that, that, you know, the martial arts is literally my workout. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, it's it's good movement, physically fit, fit mm-hmm. physical fitness, healthy. You know, mm-hmm. maintaining yeah. flexibility, all all the all the benefits here. And um, you did mention earlier a taekwondo about traveling. I'm going to plug my own book here because it presented an opportunity. So I just released a book. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's called The Sponsored Athlete. It talks about taking something that's like a, your sport or your hobby and making money off it. So that's what I had done with obstacle course racing. Uh, and not necessarily, you don't have to have like a million Instagram followers to uh, make money or reduce costs. Uh, the, the way I wrote the book is um, largely through trial and error through my own personal experience. So if anyone is like a competitive athlete or a competitive martial artist, and wants to try to figure out ways to maybe not make money, but at least reduce costs so you can do what you love a little more. Uh, the Sponsored mm-hmm. Athlete, the book is on Amazon or off my website, uh, teamstrengthspeed.com. Hey, thanks for mentioning that. I think I'll buy a couple of copies <laughs> and leave it around my gym because these poor kids, I mean, it's the labor of love, what yeah. they're doing, and it's, it's tough on their pocketbook. It is, you know, and there's there's a, there's a right, so if you, if you make a lot of money, it the amount of effort and time you put into like reducing costs, it may make more sense just to work another shift at your job. Uh, but it's a lot, it's just a lot less fun, right? Like I, (laughs) I enjoy all the stuff, all the work I do for obstacle course racing. I enjoy all that stuff. So it doesn't feel like work. And then I occasionally, I get some really good perks out of that, of the situation. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's what I tried to capture in my book and try to share it with some of the others. Cause you know, I, I think some people think there's a finite pie and where if, if I give someone else a bigger slice, then my slice gets smaller. But I think mm-hmm. there's just so many companies and so many brands out there. I don't think that's true. I think cool. there's room for everyone. Well, let me get rephrase it. There's room for everyone who's, who's interested in working for it. You know, I, I think right. there's a lot of people who are interested in freeloading and then getting stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're willing to work for it, I think there's a lot of opportunity with, you as an athlete or you as a martial artist and brands uh, just requires you to go out there and compete and put your, put your presence out there. And again, you don't need thousands upon thousands of uh, social media followers. You just need a good presence that's consistent and puts out a good message. 
my two Man, cents. I wish I, I, I knew I wish I knew about this book when I was competing in Taekwondo and I was more active in, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well, too, because it's a these competing is expensive. It so is. Uh, thanks it for is. thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. And it, some of the techniques wouldn't work 10 or 20 years ago. Like a lot of the techniques I had I developed because of social media, the ability to have Ooh. a platform and to talk to people. Again, even mm -hmm. if your your presence is not huge, as long as you can influence a small group and are, are out there showing a brand on, you know, on at events and stuff like that. And um, oh, cool. we're actually doing something similar with the uh, my, my day job in the army. We're actually doing something similar. We're taking the combatives team. And we're bringing them to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments and showcasing essentially the Army's fighting style and using cool. that as one to build rapport, build relations with civilians, but also as a recruitment tool for the Army because the Army's recruiting is currently not super good. So the uh, if anyone's interested in joining the Army, the bonuses are are very good. Just a side note. Very cool. I know the Army always has had a very uh, big presence in the firearms competition. Yeah. community so uh to bring that into the brazilian jiu-jitsu community that makes sense yeah patrick what else am i missing i know you missed a lot of the episode what else am i missing on conrad i know you gave some of your two cents is there some hysterical story that i'm supposed to ask him about that i didn't ask him about is any sort of important <laughs> piece of any sort of embarrassing conrad story um uh, you know, I, and i said this on, on our podcast you know i see you now conrad and i when when you go back and jump back in time and you're like oh i used to get picked on to me like I'm like, not Conrad. He couldn't have been picked on. He's, you know, like he's got all these black belts. He's so smart. He's got all, you know, he's so skilled. And it's funny, um, you know, you you saying that in hindsight, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I see who you are now. And I just, you know, I couldn't, I, I have trouble picturing it back then. So different times, I think, different place. Well, you know, growing up, we have all suffered. I don't care if you are Taylor Swift or Tom Cruise we we've all suffered growing up so everyone's got their story that's true that's sure. true that's true <laughs> anything to add patrick before we close out this episode yeah no there's there's really no embarrassing stories with with connor in terms of martial arts because as i said before he's such a dedicated student that you know the the biggest embarrassing moment is oh he might have called uh you know uh, one, uh, an outside block, an inside block by mistake. You know, that's that's really pretty much <laughs> as embarrassing as it gets because he's just, and again, I don't want to make it seem like he's got a photographic memory because he doesn't. His strength and his uh, superior training is the fact that he does review stuff. And it doesn't have to be like super hard. Like that's one, these are all tips that he's given me since I was a kid. It's like, it's not like you go in hardcore and you train two hours a day reviewing all your stuff. It's literally just like what he does, the, the monthly review. Um, that allows him to seem like he's got photographic memory, but really mm -hmm. he doesn't. It's just he's got such detailed notes that that's why he seems like he can pull this stuff out of thin air. <laughs> but it's just because he's just done really good review, and and so it becomes almost automatic. Um, so he's not pressed to try to remember what's this flow drill from Kali or or what is this term in Silat or you know how do I do this lock in Jujitsu? He just he just does it because he's done so much review. He's such a He's such a great academic student that he can physically do it. And and so uh, for those of you who, who are not familiar with Conrad, I, I always say he's the most balanced martial artist because he's got the academic side of martial arts. He's got the cultural side of martial arts. He's got the physical aspect down pat. So he's like the total martial artist because I know martial artists, martial arts masters really, who only have like two of the three. Yeah. Right? Very few do you find who have three of the three. And really, I honestly say that Conrad is the Dan Innocento of his generation because I can't think of, again, only five or six martial artists in the world who, who've kind of done what he's done. I buy it. I buy it completely. Yeah. I, 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 I use Conrad. I use you as like inspiration for all of like the martial arts studying I'm doing. Right. So, uh, because cool, it, cool, you know, cool. I, I see, I see Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts and uh, high level Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys. And a lot of them are like, well, I just do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that's it. And that, cause, cause all the other systems are stupid. And then you see other people who do like <laughs> traditional styles, right? And they're like, well, the, the MMA Brazilian just they're ruining the martial arts culture. And I like the fact that you touch on everything. I just feel like anytime you voice your opinion on something in the martial arts world, I'm always curious to see where you stand because I think it just comes from a depth of experience that uh, you can't get, you know, just Googling stuff online, right? You have to live it. You have to experience it. So, um, which again is why I'm, I'm uh, jealous. Or I'm excited that I get to pick your brain for all these podcast episodes. 
and get some more awesome. of your insight. Awesome. And thank you uh, for being biased, Patrick. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you for, for the honor there, uh, uh, Evan. Thank you very much. All right. We're going to close it out for the Conrad episode. Any final thoughts, uh, Patrick? Then we'll jump over to if Conrad. You, it, yeah. If you guys haven't already, go to Conrad's uh, Instagram and his Facebook and watch his regular training. Uh, what he does is it's not about being Superman or, or being, you know, super powered or a superhuman. Uh, it's just about regular training. So that's why he, you know, he, he came up with a saying, uh, enlightenment is in the training and, and it really is just, you got to pound it out every week. So, uh, check him out. You'll be, you'll be amazed. Nice. Conrad jumping over to you. Thank you. No, no, thank you. If, if you've listened this far, uh, you have my respect because I'm sure you're going to fallen asleep by now. So uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Patrick for, uh, hanging out as well too. Awesome. And if, if you want to learn from all of the lessons that Patrick and Conrad have learned over the years and then distilled out into a manageable form and uh, that you can teach other people, again, check out tigatactics.com. Uh, we'll drop some links in the show notes for people to go and sign up and get start training with uh, Patrick and Conrad from the comfort of their own home at any time. And I think it's just a great add-on, a great addition, complement to whatever system you're currently studying. I think it's just presents a really good opportunity. So uh, make sure you guys check that out and we will be back uh, with the next episode whenever we decide to publish it. All right. Catch all you guys later. All right. Bye. Bye guys.